We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Welcome to the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. Wonderfully, I am joined by my friend and co-host, your executive producer for this audio journey, Dave Martinez, D2, a special day for us today. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about this uh, podcast. I mean, in this episode, uh, I think it's going to be one of those that, you know, people are just going to really be inspired and really be motivated because this is a really special story. It is a special story. You have good reason to be motivated. I am as well. And I think we'll be even more motivated after we have our featured conversation today. It is with Brent and Kyle Pease. If you are not familiar with them, wow, will you be cheering by the time you get done listening to this upcoming conversation. Of course, we'll share video and other materials in our show notes for this particular story, but they are just a couple of really, really, really solid dudes that are doing tremendous things together, inspiring so many people along the way. D2, I believe this conversation will go a little bit longer than some of our featured conversations do, but for all of you out there, it will be worth it. Whether you need to break this into two different workouts or just hang with us a little bit longer this time around, I know you feel the same, Dave. It will be well worth your time to do so. So do not go anywhere. We're going to take a really brief break, but on the backside of that break, we'll have Brent and Kyle Pease here with us in studio. Running doesn't have to be hard and injuries don't have to be a part of your running experience. Learn how to run better through Big Peach Running Company's Transform Running Workshops. In this three-hour session, you'll learn three simple elements that not only improve your form, but also reduce the chances of injury, allowing you to run faster and make running more enjoyable. Sign up at BigPeachRunningCo.com and become the runner you've always thought you could be. Welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast in D2. I will tell you, it feels like Christmas morning for me right now because I am all geeked out about what we have coming up. The anticipation is high. And for everyone out there right now, you should know that before D2 just fired up the microphone so we could introduce you and bring you this special featured conversation, we talked for 20 or 30 minutes. It seemed like just a couple of minutes Brent and Kyle, but we could just talk and talk and trade stories and talk about how small a world we all live in and have a good time and not even get to some of the content that we prepared. So this is going to be really, really cool, but we appreciate the two of you joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, it is our pleasure. And and in our introduction, we used a phrase that is probably commonplace in the interactions that both of you have, whether you're together or perhaps as individuals, wherever you may be throughout the day. And that phrase is just simply brotherly love. And even as someone who grew up with a younger brother, and we want this phrase to play out in our own families, we want it to play out in our schools and communities, in our workplace perhaps, but you guys bring real meaning to what brotherly love is all about. And quite frankly, as an older brother, you've already given me so many reasons why I would like another crack at what it might have looked like in my youth. And you've inspired me to play it out differently as an adult. But before we think about all the shortcomings I have, let's talk about who you are, this special relationship that you have. 
Walk us back to some of the earliest days in your youth and this special bond that still exists today. Um, you guys look at each other. Who's first, right? Who's uh, going to take the microphone yeah, who, first? Well, I, you know, one of the one of the earliest memories that we actually we share this story a lot, um, and our the house we grew up in it had twenty eight stairs. Maybe we thirty next week, but the. Kyle makes fun of me that the stairwell keeps getting bigger and bigger, but, um, <laughs> depending on how many times, yeah. but we, when we were kids, like anybody else, or like most people can relate, we wanted to get up early and get downstairs to whatever in our house. It was usually actually sports center. We wanted to, uh, in those days you'd watch sports center until you memorized it, you know, the same 30 minute episode over and over. But one of my parents used to always have to get up and bring Kyle downstairs. And one morning I was five or six years old and, I decided that I was going to take Kyle downstairs and, you know, we went down like three or four stairs and I was carrying him, you know, six years old with five years old with my two year, two years younger brother. And we would stop every three or four stairs and we'd giggle. And, and I mean, we remember this well, what we didn't realize is my mom woke up in a panic cause she didn't hear somebody calling for her. And so she ran into the bedroom and nobody was there. And then she came downstairs and found us and looked at us and asked, how we got there. And rather matter of factly, I said, I brought Kyle downstairs. And I think we love sharing that story one, because it's such an early fond memory for us. But two, I think probably as it relates to today, it's, it's exactly how it is. It's us carrying each other and figuring out how do we get to do 7am sports center together again? How do we get to have that moment, um, over and over and it's to help each other get there. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, those, those, that was fun. I think that we did, um, maybe two on one at that time. But Brett was always the big brother. He was always the protective brother, always make, making sure that I was included in everything that we did as a family. Um, so it was, it was fun. We definitely had a lot of good laughs. A lot of growing pains, a lot of sadness when he went off to college. Um, but it was always there from day one of that bar. So it fast forward 30 something years now to, to see, you know, to see and feel, you know, how we really got started to now is really awesome. Well, it is awesome. And, and Kyle, you use the phrase how it is now 30 years plus that that's been the case. And for our listeners who have not yet figured this out, they are more than just brothers in, in name and example. They are also what seem like best friends, their training partners, their business associates. They do life together. And for those of you now who are not familiar with Brent and or Kyle. Kyle has cerebral palsy, but in his own words, and these are his words, not mine. And Kyle, you said in a video that I saw prior to this conversation that that does not define you. No, absolutely. Look, we all have um, galaxies in our life. Some are more noticeable than others. Like mine, because <laughs> most people see the wheelchair, but that doesn't stop me from doing what I need to do to to make it in my life. Whether 
that's working at Piedmont Hospital or whether that's helping somebody within the foundation or, you know, getting around a martyr, you know, whatever it is, I don't want I don't want to be labeled, you know. I think that's so important in this society that we live in now. Uh, we're all labeled, and we really need to take a step back and focus on what we can give rather than what we can't give. Well, and, and I think you're right in, in theory for sure where we should not label, we do not want to be labeled, but at the same time, I'm going to attach some labels to you. Inspirational, yeah. a model for yeah. life, and others that I know that you guys have not only heard, but come to believe, yes, we have been called to live this out, to live out that label because we can have real impact. We can have an influence that, quite frankly, if this relationship didn't exist, would not be available to so many others. So let's look at the other side of that, Kyle. Not just that you've elected so powerfully to not let the CP define you. But you've also said that it takes, everything takes a little more effort with cerebral palsy. Help us better understand what that might entail, given that all of us here, besides you, don't really, really know Brent gets maybe minute by minute, certainly a daily indication, but a lot of our listeners don't really know what that extra effort that is always required consists of. So, um, so I have a team of nine individuals that come in in the morning and they get me up. So for what your listeners do for themselves, they will also do for me from going to the bathroom to eating to um, brushing your teeth to going out, whatever it is, that's what they do for me. Um, so they are my hands and my legs, um, but I'm the, I'm the driver of the, of the ages. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I make it work and, you know, sometimes days are a lot harder than others. But that's a part of life, right? We all go through our challenges. And I get to choose to, to look at my life as an opportunity to share with others the joy that I have. And I'm not going to let one thing stop me from pursuing my dream. So let me ask you this, because one of the things that is so, so cool is that joy you talk about. What comes across, I recently saw the Together We Wheel video, and we'll put a link in our show notes so everybody can get the good fortune of watching that. But outside of that joy and the persistence that comes through in that video is just this obviousness that you're just willing to put it all out there. You're willing to be real and let everybody get a real indication of what life is like. When did you start to feel that level of comfort? Because I think all of us somewhat naturally tend to hide those things we don't want everybody to know about or what they might not guess about us. When did that sense of comfort come? I was told from a very early age that when you have a disability, you either grow up fast or you don't grow up at all. And I was forced and I was blessed to grow up fast with some amazing parents and amazing brothers that really helped me to be comfortable in my own skin. And I think the foundation 
uh, the guy who beat Flo Dakin, has done wonders for me. Because uh, sometimes I have a, uh, a habit of losing my voice. It gets following where everybody wants me to go instead of really fighting it within um, to tell, but hey, I want to go do Chicago, I want to go do Boston. Um, those are all on our bucket list, <laughs> um, so I'm putting it out for the universe. Um, but to, to know that, you know, we all have something to contribute, and we all have a gift, and it's up to us to open that gift. And I have the greatest gift with bread that he allowed me and him to do something that we love together. So we're going to talk about what you guys love and why so many of our listeners who have known you and those who I think will come to know you through this conversation will love you for so many of the right reasons. But, but Brent, we talked about how Kyle grew up fast. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about you for a second. I don't know if it was just natural. I mean, at the age of five, you're walking your little brother down the stairs. That might have been your first endurance right. sport, covering those 28 or 30 <laughs> or 64 stairs or whatever 70, it ultimately becomes. Definitely those 70. 70 stairs, that might have been your first endurance activity. But give us some indication of, of kind of how that came to be for you. Was that natural or was it something that just set in after watching Kyle for a couple of years and that really young age of your own? Well, it, I mean, I think that's, you know, my mom says that from that early age that I just, I was drawn to Kyle, that I wanted to, I wanted to be the big brother that was going to do everything and protect. And, you know, I think one of my earliest memories of, of all of that, I guess, or how this came to be was almost a little bit of heartache that I, I kind of would look at Kyle and I would just feel like sorrow and sadness and like, I, what could I do to help? And what we've, Kyle and I have talked about in present day or after all those years is that I think he saw the same thing as he was trying to help me, you know, that he wanted to figure out how can I help you, you know, cause there's, I'm good, I'm fine, you know, so what's wrong with you? And I think you see that today with him, but I mean, so that's how it always was when we were growing up for the, you know, for the most part with the occasional, you know, screaming and yelling match. But, you know, when we, Kyle's first power wheelchair, you used to have to take it apart. It was like 12 pieces. And so for the family to go somewhere, when we left dinner, you'd lift Kyle into the car and then you'd take apart his wheelchair and put it in the back of the van. Were you laughing at? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a pain in the butt, but you would, but that, but like, that was what I remember is my mom would be lifting Kyle and I was in the back taking apart the wheelchair. Yeah. And I just, I did it instinctively. And I think that grew our bond, um, over time. I think as we, we joke, when we tell that story, we always try to mention sports center because we grew up in a house of sports. And so whether it was endurance sports or in those, in those days, it was baseball and football, um, you know, that was what we, we wanted to do those things together. And what we didn't learn for many, many years was that the best way to tap into that was the endurance sports world, because it's the most inclusive sport there is. There isn't, there's no special wheelchair rules and not to diminish any of the things that Kyle did or accomplished as a kid, but he had to do those over there and I had to do my events over here. Mm. And so no matter what, one of us was always on the other side of the fence looking in. And whether that was me watching Kyle play wheelchair baseball or Kyle watching me play baseball, it was always the same. One of us was on the other side of the fence. And, you know, to use a, to use the metaphor or how do we, how did we 
tear the fence down? How do we get that opportunity to play together? And I think that was, you know, really when I started discovering in the endurance sports world that Kyle kind of raised his hand and said, I think, yeah. I think I can do that and I can do it better than you probably too. So. Well, and here's one thing that I want to tease out because I hadn't thought about it, but you said it at the onset of that answer. It was so powerful for me just to hear it land in the way that I hope you intended. And that was, my question was, well, when did you just sense that you were going to be so helpful and so involved? And I think oftentimes it's easy to see Brent taking apart the wheelchair or when you guys got here, he's helping you, Kyle, with the water, asking you if you want your jacket off. But what you're saying, Brent, and what is so awesome to hear is don't make the mistake, Mike or anybody else. I'm not any more helpful for Kyle than what Kyle is for me. Mm-hmm. That it works both ways. Some days, yeah, maybe it's more me helping him, but there are just as many days where he's helping me far more than what I can possibly. Oh, help absolutely. Him. I mean, it's so easy. I think. Look, we all get scratched in this life somehow or another, right? And and something's gonna is gonna beat us down at some point. And it's easy to look at Kyle and go, "Oh, that poor guy." But it's harder for the the other of us, the rest of us sitting at this table to look and go, I wonder what it was that got D2 or Mike or Brent, what, you know, what got them? And I think that's the thing that we realize is that I had some struggles with this too. You know, and, and the hard part was that I only looked at Kyle and saw the physical. And that's what a lot of people do. And they, what they don't realize is that there's this incredibly positive person who wants to just do everything like everybody else. And if Kyle could strip away the wheelchair, sometimes I feel he wouldn't do it so that he could run alongside. He would do it so people wouldn't judge him right away. So that they would just come up and recognize the person that they already knew. When you ask anybody who's met Kyle, I think the overwhelming response is, oh, Kyle, he's, he's, the, he's the best. He's the greatest. Um, everybody knows Kyle, whether they met him at Publix or Piedmont or at a race. Um, but it, but it, was, it was hard growing up for me at times. And Kyle recognized that. And I think that strengthened our bond that he wanted to help me. Well, here's the other thing that I think is, is really cool that I've learned. And so I'm going to ask you about you. And you mentioned your connection to endurance sports. I think you're right where it's such an awesome indication of, of how people can kind of walk out getting better as individuals and perhaps as families or tandems or communities. But I also think Kyle challenges you mm-hmm. after you would kind of come to being more involved in endurance sports. I got the impression that you weren't giving it all you could or perhaps reaching your potential until Kyle got involved. I, and I think that's fair. So that's a fair statement. <laughs> yeah. So tell me how that happens. Tell me how he's challenged you. And, and now that we have the Pease Foundation kind of as a platform for you guys to do it so publicly, how that continues to happen. You mean besides from the screaming and yelling when he's telling me to go faster? <laughs> I, I think one of my favorite stories... Um, when Brett started to do, um, to do the endurance sports was 2010 when he did his first Ironman. And he emailed the family, he said, hey, I will love for everybody to come out. I didn't know what an Ironman was at the time, so I had to Google it. And the first thing that came out was Ironman the movie. And I'm like, no, I know what to Google the movie. <laughs> um, so, just, you know, going up there and I was nervous. I was nervous for him and his wife, Erica, was like, well, don't, don't show your nerves to him or anything like that. I was like, well, I just don't want him to pass out because I'm not ready for him to go yet. So, um, 
after the race, um, it during the race weren't really what I saw was Brett getting get his all. But not but more so all the other athletes that gave it their all. And to see the peaks and the valleys of the day. And I was like, well, that is what I go through. Maybe not to that extreme, but I go through similar challenges. And I was like, I was captivated and I wanted to do it. So we sat down at a table like this and um, I started peppering bread with squake And I didn't know at the time, but now I do, because his answers were very short, because he was so tired. And I was like, how was it? You were like, good. What was your favorite part to swim? No, like, well, I need more details than that. <laughs> and so my last question was, well, get, some, well, get somebody in a wheelchair to do Iron Man. And that's how this journey all started. And it's probably one of my favorite stories because that's when the door opened. And we, and how can you say no to your little brother? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think... Uh, you know, Kyle, I mean, Kyle jumped right into what really sent us down that path. But I think that's also what really kept me driving to figure out how to become an athlete that I was capable of being. Um, I remember that, you know, I had gotten into the training. So I had training peaks and I had a coach and I had the, you know, I had the Garmin and I was trying to figure it all out. I remember one of the first races con I did and I just was so excited. I took off when the gun went off, they gave us a head start mm-hmm. and I was sprinting on a 10 K I was sprinting and we hit mile one and the watch beeps. And I look down, it says five fifty six, and I scream out the split to Kyle and he goes, what does that mean? I go, it means we need to slow down. I don't think I'll make it six miles if we keep running this hard. But what that's turned into is exactly how we race today, which is Kyle is every bit the athlete that I am. And that's how he pushes me is that he understands what we're doing. So he knows when the splits are coming. He wants to know what heart rate is or when we're on the bike, he wants to look at power and he, he's a, he's a geek for the sport like the rest of us. And it's a, it's a really cool thing. Uh, my fastest races have all been with Kyle. I, I can't remember the last time I did a fast race without him. Um, and it's, it, it's almost cheating, you know, because I, I have somebody that's with me at every race that doesn't let me back down. And we, you know, we all have those moments in the race where you, Kind of think maybe if I just pull back here, you know, this is starting to hurt pretty bad. Maybe just a little bit less. And that's usually Kyle's a good jockey. That's what usually when the, mm. the whip comes out and so, you can so, hear it. So let's let's use this unique opportunity we have D2 to, to, to kind of really let them in on their journey. And, and one of the things that in case you've not pulled this out already, Kyle and Brent do races together. They are a true team. In fact, guys, I know you were just at Heart and Soul's. 5k this past weekend when this airs it will be a few weeks beyond that but you guys do 
far more than just neighborhood 10Ks that you just referenced for that example, Brent, when you went out too fast, or the 5K that I just referenced. Those are terrific. And goodness gracious, I know all of us at this table would say, anyone who's thinking about whether it's their first or their next 5 or 10K, you have our full support. We are so proud of you. We hope to hear stories from that race when you run into us somewhere. At the same time, for those of you who do not know Brent and Kyle prior to this conversation, they do full Ironman. They do full marathons. They do half marathons. They do neighborhood races. They do half Ironman. They do it all. Every distance, multiple disciplines. There's all kinds that is on your race docket year in. And now you can say year out because you've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. What are some, I mean, there's, I mean, all four of us here are Ironman, right? Yeah. We can tell all kinds of stories from what it was like in the back half of the marathon or what it was like getting out of the water. But my goodness, you guys could tell stories. Nobody wants to hear D2 and I live out our glory years. Give us a story from what you guys have been doing together that just stands out and that everybody should have the good fortune of hearing. Well, I think the one, one of my favorites was, was our first Ironman. And, and we were deliberate about how we did it. So we did our first race, Kyle referenced my first Ironman, which was in 2010. And we had that conversation at dinner after the race. And our first race was in February of 2011. Mm-hmm. So not that long after we did our first race, but it was a 10K. And we slowly worked our way up the ladder from there. And, and we wanted to because I wanted Kyle um, to appreciate how he was going to become the athlete that he is now. But I also needed to learn how to to carry somebody for whatever the distance mm-hmm. may be. And at that first Ironman, it was Ironman Wisconsin, which is one of the best ones on the U.S. circuit or one of the iconic Ironmans. And they say that 40,000 people come out to spectate. And I, I believe it having been there now. It really, I mean, the, the community pours out for that race. And the, the, the race, the transition is on top of a four-story parking deck. And you have to run up a helix. Um, I don't know why I always have to mention it as a helix, but it's it's a round it's a round ramp that we'll goes up a parking deck. We'll put a definition deck. to helix or some kind of diagram. Nobody gives nobody For those cares. of us who are not engineers or mechanically oriented, we'll go ahead and lay out some yeah, kind of diagram make, make for you. you put that in the show notes. That's, yes, but there's, there's a picture from we'll the race, and you can see the people crowding on, and they start lining up at four in the morning. And Kyle and I, you know, we're down there bright and early. And I mean, we're nervous. I mean, we're not talking to each other. We're so nervous. And you guys, everybody's been there. And there's kind of the un, there's the unspoken stuff that's happening between Kyle and I, where he's calmly going, maybe I shouldn't talk because if I talk, he'll get more nervous. And I'm doing the same thing. It's like, don't talk to your pitcher in the middle of a no hitter. <laughs> but as we, as we exit the water, so 2.4 mile swim, we finish our first race and now we're running up this helix together. And this was our first real sp- sporting moment of in the two years that we had been doing this and it's so loud you you it's you can't hear yourself Mm. i can't hear kyle screaming at me and i'm watching as i'm pushing him up the ramp and people are reaching out and they're putting their hand on kyle and they're just touching him and i'm and i have this like you know i have this moan of clarity of like i'm pushing the greatest athlete these people have ever seen up a four-story helix and they just want to, they just want to feel greatness. And that is, it was such a cool moment for me to be behind my brother and to watch him experience it. And it, and I didn't even realize I was pushing him. Um, it was probably the fastest we ran all day. Yeah. <laughs> but it really, I mean, it, 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 you know, when you do these big endurance events, Ironman marathon, you know, these moments stick out in the day 
and usually, hopefully, it's always the most positive ones of the moment, of the day. And that was it. I mean, that was, there was no fence between us. We talked about that earlier. There was just the two of us pounding up this four-story ramp to go get ready for a 112-mile bike ride. <laughs> that That is awesome. And that is why you listen to the Run ATL podcast. That is content you may not find anywhere else. And that if we just shut the microphone off right now, you more then got your money's worth. But D2, we're not going to shut the microphone off because before we turned it on, you also gave us some insight into another event that you did big. In fact, Kyle is wearing the New York City Marathon tee right now. Rightfully proud of that tee. I can tell you I still enjoy wearing mine, but I don't have a story like what you guys were kind enough to kind of share with us before we turn this on. So I'm going to put you all on the spot. The mic is on. Give us some indication of what New York City and that 26.2-mile jaunt means and stories from that endeavor. Well, I, I think a, a good setup to this is that in 2011 of June, June of 2011 is when we started the foundation. We didn't have our first athlete till March of 2012. Mm-hmm. So it took us a little while to get started. So Kyle and I's original marketing plan was, well, we'll just run a race every month. We'll make sure no matter what. And so that was our, that was our plan. Well, as the foundation grew and as more athletes came to run with us, we kind of lost some of those just pure bonding experiences or the, just the opportunity for us to go out as brothers. So the 2015 New York marathon was that first race we had had in a couple of years that we were just going to do together. And, um, it was because there was a, uh, New York marathon had not had a category like this. Mm-hmm. And so they had set up a lottery system and five athletes from around the globe got in. There was a family from South Korea. There was a family from Australia, Germany, and then Kyle and I were the United States contingent and we had gotten in on this lottery. And so we were, we were just excited. We were going to go up. Our other brother was living there. So Khan and I got on the plane together. We had the chair and we're doing this iconic race with 62,000 people. And around mile eight, I hear this noise and it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a whapping sound. And I look down and the wheels wobbling and Kyle at that moment says, is everything okay? And I said, I think so. And each mile progressively just got worse and worse. And it started feeling like I was pushing a chair through quicksand. And at 13, I stopped and we had these plastic wheel covers and I kind of peeled one back to look inside. And there was not one, but three broken spokes, which for the cyclists out there know that one's, <laughs> one's bad, three is a catastrophe. So the next step we took, the wheel just shattered under Kyle's weight and the chair collapsed. And we, we didn't even hesitate. I ripped all the straps off of Kyle and I picked them up. And Kyle's laughing because I tried to carry him, you know, 28 stairs, right? I can walk 13 miles with my brother. We made it about 500 yards mm. and realized there was no way we were going to make it the rest of the way. Um, so we turned around and I got Kyle to a medical tent. And uh, we sat there for a while. We talked. Um, eventually, the NYPD showed up and they drove me to a bike shop. I remember walking into the bike shop with this broken wheelchair and they said, well, we can have it fixed for you in a couple of days. I was like, I'm wearing my bib. I'm dripping sweat. I was like, guys, we're, we're in the middle of a marathon. And I get back and our, our other brother had made it to us at this point and they're helping Kyle with some paperwork and they had some release paperwork for us to effectively Who's drop they? out of the race. The this is, is sorry. The bike shop? No, we weren't getting arrested. Yeah. Sorry. This is the, yeah. Now we're on to the officials. I mean, this okay. was, this is amazing. All this happened in a span of 90 minutes. So we, I think we were about like 95 minutes to the halfway mark, give or take. Now we're 90 minutes down. So we're three hours into the race and some race officials are standing there with Kyle 
and or Kyle's laying on a medical cot on a, on a thing mm-hmm. and they're trying to get us to drop out of the race and nobody wants the dreaded DNF, right? And at this point, Kyle and I have never had one. And I said, can you give us two more minutes? We just got to figure this out. And they ended up giving us a bunch of rope and some blankets and we tied the broken axle to my shoulder and we put Kyle in and our other brother, Evan, looked at us and goes, you guys realize you're on your own now, right? And uh, in the same fashion of the stairs and the, the same fashion of trying to get up that bridge, we took off and we started walking. And so we went from, I think, a 750-ish pace, eight-minute pace, to a 19-minute, to a 22-minute, to a 25-minute crawl. Um, a woman from Maryland came upon us, and I was having trouble turn the chair. These these wheelchairs that we run with, you have to get the front wheel off the ground just like a stroller and point it the direction you want and then put it down. And when you're holding all of the weight on one shoulder, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So this woman at first started helping us move the wheel, and then eventually she said, look, you got to let me help. And I was being a stereotypical male that I wasn't going to let anybody help me. Um, stubborn, I think. Stubborn would be the word, yeah. And uh, so she took over the left side of the chair. And then a New Yorker came up, this guy Cameron, and, and almost tried to push her out of the way. And I think he was fitting that stereotype that he was going to jump in and he could solve the world's problems. But we, we, we said, look, you can help, but take the right side. So we ended up with these two strangers and at this point now, now I'm defeated and I'm like, I, I'm not even doing this anymore. I'm not helping. What, who cares? You know, what am I out here for? And I, at that point I told them to get off the chair. And I think I, I'm pretty sure I yelled at them and made them step to the side. And I took Kyle over the curb and I looked at him and I said, what are we doing? And Kyle looked up at me and he said, you can go home, you can quit, but I'm going to finish. So what's going through your mind at this moment, Kyle? I mean, you guys are off pace a lot yeah you're off the course for this conversation what's going through your mind i mean i want to go back to the minute from my point of view because you know but trying to carry me we didn't we didn't even make it by other feet so i went to the medical tent laid in the car and the whole time i would say my prayers and um one of my favorite books growing up was the little achy that could Yep. Um, and so the whole time, I was like, I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> I think we can. I think we can. So there was no doubt that we could do it. I knew that it was going to be a lot of adversity, a lot of challenges, but that's my life. Mm. You know, I, over, I overcame so many surgeries. I overcame um, when they told my parents that... I wasn't going to make it past seven, that I wasn't going to go to college. So I was like, well, look at me now. I, I, I graduated college, and I don't mean to, to boast or anything at all, but it just that my attitude that where there's, a, where there's a wheel, there's a way, and where there's no wheel, there's a way. <laughs> so the the whole time I was like, we could do it, we could do it. Um, there was never a doubt in my mind that we could cross the finish line. Um, so we like pulled over, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we need to keep going. Uh, and then when I told him um, that he could quit, but I'm not quitting. Okay, that's not what I stand for as a person. 
against all odds is kind of a way of life right. for you. And obviously you'd right. live that out long before right. that moment when you guys are, are really yeah. wondering, can we finish? You're yeah. in. You're fully in. I, I'm You're fully not in. so sure, Brian. <laughs> not so sure. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm fully invested in <laughs> when I, Whenever I do something, I'm going to give it all I have. Until there's no answer for me. And so, I saw us finicking. Uh, I came all the way to New York. We came all the way to New York as a team. And Brent has always said from very first Iron Man that I may borrow his ways, but he borrowed my spirit. But I think we tap me into both of those. I may not need his legs physically, but I need them so we can get across the finish line. And the spirit part of it is we just, we just want to make it a better place for the next group that comes in. So we want to kind of show people that anything is possible. And I think that's a testament to our love was at New York City Marathon and how we overcame so much. And, but we never gave up. We always pursued it. Um, but my dad, you know, being a little bit outspoken than normal, but that's what that's what we came to do. We came to the biggest city in the United States and we accomplished our mission. So one thing that I'm not a sports performance psychologist, I've done a little bit of research. I've read a couple of things that would make me an amateur expert, I suppose. But what you said that I'm going to unpack very briefly, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you, Brent, to kind of get us through that last third of the race. But what you said, Kyle, was... You saw yourself finishing the race. And what sports psychologists seem to be seeing more often is visualization is so important. And so for everyone right now who's wondering, can I finish? Is that more than what I could actually accomplish? Is it a greater distance than what I'm ready for? I think taking a page out of Kyle's book right there, visualize yourself at the finish in the midst of your accomplishment is so powerful. And if sports psychologists are to be believed, you bring some real proof that they know what they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you look at any Ironman, and you look at, you have to swim, bike, and run. All in one day. That's a lot. That is so overwhelming. But when you really break it down, stroke by stroke, revolution by revolution, step by step, wheel by wheel, anything is possible. And that's, you know, where, where Brett or myself goes into a valley. That's that's how we get back on the peak again. It gets say stuff that motivates each other, or say funny stories, but you just have to break it down. Instead of looking at a big, huge day, just focus on that stroke and focus on that step, because that's what's going to get 
I feel so shallow, D2, because the last time I did New York, all I visualized was being at Tavern on the Green, drinking a Boddington's after the race. <laughs> and not that that's not maybe powerful in its own yeah. right, but the fact that you could see yourself crossing the finish line even before you were anywhere close to it being in sight. So now, Brett, take us the rest of the way. He gives you some indication. We're not finished. He You're said not it, he's, so sure. He said everything he needed to say. And it, and it got, the day got darker for us at that, literally. I mean, we were out there forever. Um, but Kyle said everything he needed to say to me in that moment, and which was to keep me out there. Because I was right by the train station. I very easily could have gotten home. <laughs> um, we had our cell phones. We didn't know, you know, but it, it, we just, at that point, as Kyle said, it was just, it was one step after the other. We flew all this way. We hadn't had an opportunity in at least 12 months to just truly go out and race by ourselves. And we wanted that opportunity. Um, you brought this on yourself. We brought this on ourselves. <laughs> you know, I, I, what, Kyle and I, what Kyle and I say about it now is that I spent, you know, 90 minutes doing everything I could to keep us on the road. Because we didn't want to feel like we gave up. We needed somebody else to tell us we were done. But Kyle had to spend the next four and a half hours keeping me on the road. Um, and, and like we said, we went from this, what was a pretty good pace down to, you know, a snail's crawl. And we were 21, 22, 23 minutes. And New York is a great race. You have this amazing tracker that you can see people as they're literally moving through the park. And Kyle's laughing because people would, were texting us going, you guys haven't moved in two hours. Is everything okay? Um, but I remember getting to central park and at this point it's pitch black and there's still runners all around us and we cross the finish line and, and that release starts and Kyle and I had our, like I said, we had our phones and I immediately pulled out my phone because I was angry. I was upset. I was physically exhausted from what we thought was going to be. A three and a half hour day it was a seven and a half, seven hours and 32 minutes later, we finally finished our day. And I call my wife and then I, and now I can't talk. I can't speak that the tears are, I'm, I'm, Kyle will laugh, but I'm a crier and the tears start to flow. <clears throat> and my wife says, I don't think you guys realize what you just did. And I, I still can't talk. And she said, you have to look at your phone. You have to see what you guys just did. And I pull out my phone and I don't have this many friends that would text me that much. And we have got so many messages from people we don't know that are just saying, thank you. And, and thank you for the gift that you and Kyle shared with us today. And that was such a powerful thing to think about the number of times where I just wanted to pick Kyle up and hold him and fix it and everything was going to be okay. And in that moment, when I needed him most, he said, you can quit, but I'm not going to quit. And I thought about 30 plus years of his life. Mm -hmm. And we were able to share that with strangers, with the two strangers that carried us for 13 miles, with the hundreds, thousands of people that watched us online. And as we mentioned to you guys before, it took us a little while to be able to talk about that because we had so many, we had, we, we were human. We were fighting. We were brothers screaming at each other. We were brothers that didn't speak to each other for the last three miles of the race. But when we finished, we were brothers that accomplished something incredible together. 
and without each other, there's no way we would have, we would have accomplished that 26.2 mile dream, literally. Well, and your wife was right. The number of people you helped that day, I'm sure is countless. But the cool thing is, is you did not stop on that day after you finished. You've continued to do it. In fact, one of the things that we know is you have your biggest team to date for this year's Publix Georgia Marathon and Half Marathon. That's super cool. Congratulations. Thank you. So with almost 60 runners, I know there are stories also, maybe behind the scenes access that you guys can give us. What is it like to have that type of group together doing so many cool things, inspiring so many people, but beyond the finish lines, beyond what we're going to get access to if we follow your blog or if we see the pictures or we write you a text during the race. What are some of the things that happen just to bring all that together that D2 and I do not know about and that most of our listeners might not even guess is part of your story? Well, it's a lot of planning for one. Um, Beyond the training, not just planning yeah, to train right. to finish. You're talking planning. It's, I mean, it's everything. And it's, it's you know, as Kyle mentioned, when you asked him about kind of what's take us through a day, you know, somebody's got to be there to get Kyle's shoes on and somebody's got to help him get his pants on and, and be there. And so there's, you know, at a race like Publix, so Publix is, is, is really, that's our marquee event. That's the one that everybody wants to be a part of. We have a team dinner the night before. We have a team hotel. And, you know, as Kyle and I talked about, we didn't get to play on the same field. We never had that kind of state championship event together. We didn't go to the cross-country state championships in Macon or wherever they have them now and stay in the hotel the night before and eat crappier food than we were supposed to. But, you know, so for Publix, um, there's a couple of things. One, we do three volunteers per athlete. Um, I think it's a safer number. It's one of our biggest fundraisers. So it gives, it gives us a bigger army of, uh, a K- bigger KPZ army of fundraisers. And it's, it's a safety. You have a lot of first time pushers out there. Um, and the athlete experience is the most important thing to us. And so, um, while Kyle and I have run now more than 60 some odd races or 70 some odd races, um, you've got a lot of people that have maybe done a hundred races, but they've never pushed a wheelchair. Um, so there's that component, like you, like you mentioned, but that's the other part of what does Kyle need to be able to finish? He needs his water bottle. He wants goo like the rest of us. He needs to know his mile splits. He needs to make sure that you don't quit on him in the middle of the race. Um, so it's all of that. And these kids, and I, I, I always instinctively say kids, but we had a four-year-old last year at this race and we had a 62-year-old at this race last year. So we covered nice diversity, the, great six year, Sorry, six and 42. Yeah. And, and I think um, what Bray what and I have experienced is we have another family. Uh, that are totally invested and they trust us with their kid or with their friend that we have gained 58 new family members that we all have to take care of and we all have to rely on one another to get from the starting line all the way 13.1 miles with no hills it's a very it's a flat race is what we always advertise we make sure everybody knows it's an easy race no but we so we start at 4 30 in the morning because of that because of all the extra steps that we have to take so it's not just showing up for a race that goes off at 7 a.m getting to the parking lot at 6 it's 4 30 you're in the lobby 
So if, if you think about how the extra steps it takes Kyle, that means Kyle's got to get up at 3.30 for a half marathon. Who does that? Um, and you're talking about 58 other families that have to do this too, that have to go through these steps. From there, it's as you guys know, it's, it's the normal chaos of race morning. So it's hurry up and wait. But we've got to get each of those families into a wheelchair and make sure everybody is strapped in um, and safe. Um, I'll, I'll add one more. I'll go, since we keep going off track, I'll add one more. As Khan, I like watching our paces. There's a couple of places in Atlanta. Freedom Parkway on that course is one in particular where I've seen paces that drop down into the mid fours. And wow. it's 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 wow is a good reaction, but it's scary to be behind the wheelchair right. that's going that fast. Um, we've gone on one wheel before coming around turns. And so, you know, I got to make sure that these kids are strapped in. They've got to have on the right gear. Um, that time of year, the weather's wildly unpredictable. So a lot of the kids will want blankets and extra stuff. I still need to have all that stuff strapped down. So there's all this extra stuff that has to happen so that they can enjoy it. Um, but I'll get, I'll send you a little teaser clip we had from last year where you see the start of what was then our biggest race, I think 42 teams. 42. And you watch the reaction just going across the start line. And these are people that have been up since 3.30 in the morning for a half marathon. And then you start to see that all that ex- all the extra preparation that goes into it so that they get the same experience that you got at your first race or that you got at your first Ironman and any of that stuff. And that's, that's important to us that, because that's what we got when we did that first 10 K when Kyle and I were screaming about a fast, our fastest mile split we've ever seen. We want them to experience it in that same way. We want them to, whatever it is that they're trying to gain from the sport, be at the team dinner or the hotel, or more importantly, that finishing breaking that finisher's tape. We want them to, keep coming back for that, you know, cause Kyle and I keep coming back. I, I, I think it's important, um, to make it to that. You know, we have a mission for the foundation. We have guidelines in place, but at the end of the day, my mission is for those, for those athletes, because they are all athletes. When they start and when they finish, if they're not smiling, then Brent and I did not do our job. And so that's my personal mission for the Kyle Peace Foundation is how can we make it fun? And how can we bring joy to these athletes for the couple hours that they're out on the race? And that, that is my personal mission. That is so cool. And in our introduction, we mentioned for the Kyle Peace Foundation that the mission proudly proclaims, and you can see how important this is to you guys to improve the lives of the disabled through sports Mm -hmm. and thinking about those special moments that it would be so easy to take for granted. To hear you, Kyle, say to give them, whether it's a couple of hours or a bunch of miles strung together of pure or at least access to joy. Wow. I mean, this is what you guys were meant to do. It's so awesome. It's so inspiring. So what are you guys working on right now? What And what's the future look like? What, <laughs> tell me what happens beyond the Publix Georgia Marathon this year. You guys, I know, always have so much in the works. Give us a little bit of an advanced preview. Well, we still have one race. I mean, Kyle, has a, Kyle has a much longer 
bucket list of yeah. races than I do. Um, <laughs> but I'll follow him wherever That's he tells me to go. Just had, for everybody who does not know this, Brent just had his second child less than a month ago. He's got a three-week-old in the house. That is an endurance activity also, yes, my friend. A, so, yeah, yeah. But, but seriously, what is... So, I mean, the, you know, we started this sport in triathlon. And that was what brought us into the endurance sports world. That first 10K was prepping us for our first Olympic distance triathlon. So, you know, as anybody that finishes their first Ironman, Kona becomes just something you're drawn to. And it's this, I think it's the spirit of the race for us now more than anything and what that race represents. So we have submitted a lengthy petition um, or a lengthy resume to Ironman. So fingers crossed, knock on wood, prayers, positive thoughts, pick your... Can we write in? Can our listeners no, write anyone? No, no, don't do that. Then it's they actually no. Right, they actually well, no. That. I uh, we, 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 we tried, tried that. That. <laughs> okay, that does not work. It does not work. They don't. Um, they, anyways, they you know they're creating opportunities for people like Kyle to race. We just want to see that opportunity happen at Ironman World Championships. So for us, this year is still built around October. If we don't get in. What we've learned in the last couple of years as the foundation has grown is that this is so much more than that one race. Mm-hmm. When we finished our first triathlon, it was, okay, we're going to, we're getting ready for Kona. We're going to get into Kona. But as this thing has grown beyond what Kyle and I do, I think what we've come to truly appreciate is that it's so much more than that, that race. And, and while the, it remains a personal goal that screams at us every day that we just pulls us in. If we don't ever get to that start line, I don't know that I'll be disappointed in that because we've succeeded at so much more. Um, but now that I've said that, we got to get to the start line. <laughs> it's out there now. Yeah. We, we really want to compete in Kona. That's, that's our goal um, because I think that's the hardest thing that we can do today that we've thought of. Um, the conditions of the race are going to beat both of us up worse than we've ever been hit. So I think that's number one. I think the big thing, obviously, that for the foundation is figuring out how we're going to get 58 teams across the finish line. First things first. First things first, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think that's the big one for this year. Yeah, I think I get to to continue to break out barriers, however that looks like to the foundation, to Brent and myself, is... How can we leave this place a better place? And that's something I think that we continue to ask ourselves every day is let's make it better. You know, I was joking uh, last year when we did the public and I gave my little speech at the at the end of the night and I said I want 60 athletes for next year. And lo and behold, we have almost 60 athletes. We'll round up for Kyle. Yeah, yeah and that's good. That makes sense. Well, I will tell you, you will be in my prayers to get to Kona. You've put yeah. it out here. I certainly hope that happens. We'll keep all of our listeners informed. But more importantly, you guys are an answered prayer, I know, for so many with what you do and what you do on behalf of others, Kyle, with that personal mission you stated, with the organizational mission that you guys have. Tell us how people can get more involved, learn more. We'll put this in our show notes, of course. But for somebody who's listening to this going, I want some of that, there what would is, you suggest they do? Go straight to the website, kylepeacefoundation.org. And at the, at, the, at the bottom, there's a join our team. 
click on that and fill out the helper application. And it's as simple as that. There are no time requirements for, um, for runners who may hear that 556 mile split. There is no requirement. Um, you do not need to be fast. What we want is people that care about sharing an experience with somebody like Kyle and giving them an opportunity to experience sports in the most inclusive way possible. So whether that's a 12 minute mile, a 20 minute mile or a 430, we'll take any of you. Um, and that's the best way. It's as simple as that. You know, we, we don't discriminate in terms of those that we can support and in terms of those that are going to support us. So, um, we, we never have a shortage of volunteers. Um, so the other way you can help us as awareness is, is spread this message, share social media, share this, share this podcast, put it out there. One of the best marketers we have is, uh, somebody that was on our first, was on the first board of the Kyle Peace Foundation. Anytime he sees somebody in a wheelchair, he walks over to him and says, I want to tell you about my buddies, Brent and Kyle and what they're doing. And that's the greatest way to share it. Cause you never know. You guys probably talk about it at big peach. You never know who that next 5k runner is going to be, who's going to walk into your store and walk out, not just with a pair of shoes, but with a goal that they're going to finish the New York marathon or they're going to go run Boston. And we never know who out there is like Kyle that doesn't just want to do the 5k. They want to go do an Ironman or pick some other crazy race. We'll get them out there. We'll figure it out. Is it the best boy? I mean, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> if you sign up, we're going to start peppering you, but in all honesty, you, you never know the impact that you're going to have on somebody's life. And I think um, if, if this is a good fit for you and you decide to join us, um, the impact that you'll receive is far greater than I can even put in the words. That is awesome. You guys are as well. I am going to double down on that encouragement to do just as Brent and Kyle recommended, to visit that website, to elect very, very easily for you, perhaps, on the button itself to hit it and say, I'm in, and then to do the hard work. I'm a little banged up right now, but I am going to go and publicly say I will do that as a way to say, if nothing else, I'm going to feel less banged up knowing that, to your point, Kyle, to use your exact terminology, it would have impact. Thank you guys for everything you are doing. You are a treasure. Thank you. Thank you. We will be right back after this brief message. Please do not go anywhere. Do you hear that? The trails are calling and you must go. You're invited to join the Big Peach Running Company crew for an all-inclusive weekend getaway in Blue Ridge, Georgia. Experience two days of trail running in the beautiful North Georgia mountains. Not a runner? That's okay. Hikers and outdoor enthusiasts are also welcome. Experience a relaxing weekend full of trails, award-winning food, and luxurious accommodations. Start the weekend off enjoying a few craft brews at Fannin Brewing. After a day on the trails, we'll recover at Serenberry Vineyards where you'll be able to sample some of Georgia's finest wines. We'll finish off the evening at Charlie Creek Farms with some barbecue and drinks under the stars. Don't miss out on an incredible trailcation you won't soon forget. Come on out, enjoy the trails. We'll take care of the rest. Visit BigPeachRunningCode.com to sign up. And thank you for coming back as we come down the home stretch of the Run ATL podcast. D2, that was so much fun. So amazing to have those guys with us. How do you explain that? Before we even put this on the air, we'll have to tell others we had the good fortune of talking to those guys. 
How will you explain it to your friends that you talked to Brent and Kyle Peace today? Well, I mean, it's just both of them are just so, um, you know, unique and just so willing and giving uh, to each other and to others, um, you know, because it's just as Kyle said, he was more of how he could help, you know, Brent out. Brent was worried how he could help, you know, Kyle out and, and just listen to Kyle speak. Um, it's just the way he motivates, it's just infectious because I, I was sitting on the edge of my seat listening to the story of, of New York. It's like, what happened? What's next? You know? And at the same time, as I'm sitting through this podcast, I'm kind of going, well, how can I not get involved in some way, you know, and how can I take the words that Kyle said that I'm not ready to quit? I'm going to go to that finish line. How can I use those, you know, use that the next time I'm in a spot where I'm in a challenging situation, whether it's, you know, personally in life or whether it's, you know, on a race course to say, I'm not going to quit. That is so true. And I love your term infectious. And I will say, I believe we are perhaps this podcast's biggest consumers as much as we are the hosts. We get this information. We get it earlier than anybody else does because we're part of the conversation. Of course, you're doing the editing and then we work on the notes. And I have made some changes to what I eat. I make some changes to how I train. I have made some changes to what I think about because of our guests. But very, very, very rarely am I willing to step out and make a comment or a public proclamation. You used the term infectious and it was so infectious for me. That's what I did right there when I said, I will get involved to the extent where I get to join these amazing individuals in a race sometime this year. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to double down. I'm going to make sure that you drag me there or I drag you along. But that's just something I believe we need to do. These guys are terrific. Well, one of the things that, you know, and I've heard this from other podcasts is that the, 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 the best gift that you can give someone is of your time. To be able to give someone of your time, something that we all know is a precious resource, something that we will never get back, is truly a very special gift. So to, for us to say, hey, we're going to commit our time to do this, to in some way participate in this event, to help these other athletes out, um, I think is, is truly what you know, defines being fulfilled. You know, and that to me is something that I know I've been taking a lot more seriously and part of my life and my life goals um, over the last couple of years. And I, I just, I just, I can't wait to do this. That's awesome. It could not be said better than what you did right there, D2. Thank you again for your time putting this together. I hope all of you who have listened to this are going to take D2 up on that invitation to be so mindful of how you spend your time. Certainly, we'd love to have you, maybe even before we officially tow a line with Brent and Kyle, get involved with the Kyle Peace Foundation. Do that right now. Do it as soon as you can. That's a great use of your time. And speaking of time, it will be two weeks before you know it and we will be back. But in the meantime, we're so glad that you joined us. We hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And in the meantime, as we always say, and as we certainly mean, May your best miles be those covered on foot.